everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of Charlie's GeekCast. Once again, I am your host, Charlie Niemeyer, and this time I'm recording this episode a little ahead of my normal time, so we won't be looking at any feedback this time, but we will be continuing our look at the Rock of Ages storyline by looking at part 5. And we will do that right after this promo. The Bronze Age of Comics. An era largely ignored as far as Superman goes, and an era that some consider to still be part of the Silver Age. Sure, a lot of people know about the Kryptonite Nevermore storyline, where all the Kryptonite on Earth is turned to iron and Clark Kent goes from a newspaper reporter to a TV reporter. Then there are the Alan Moore stories, for the man who has everything and whatever happens to the man of tomorrow. But in an era that lasted 15 years, surely there's more to the Bronze Age than that, right? Well, my name is Charlie Niemeyer, and every other week, I shine the spotlight on this long-overlooked era of Superman in the Bronze Age. Featuring such stories as the return of Jonathan Kent, two meetings with the Amazing Spider-Man, the Phantom Zone miniseries, the enlarging of Krypton, and more. Plus, J. David Weider also joins in to take a look at Superboy's Bronze Age adventures. So join in the fun at www.supermanandthebronzeage.com and www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. All right. JLA number 14 was released on January, or had a cover date of January 1998 and an on-sale date of November 26th, 1997, right around Thanksgiving. And had a cover price of one dollar ninety-five cents to seventy-five Canadian, and features a cover once again by Howard Porter and John Dell with colors by Liquid Graphics. This cover is really cool looking. Okay, basically you've got a in the background you've got the Daily Planet has fallen. It's literally crashed on its side. The globe is still attached, but the letters are breaking off. In the sky above the building, you see parademons in their parademon armor, which look really cool when colored by liquid graphics. In the foreground, you see our heroes Flash, Aquaman, and Green Lantern in front of a building with a giant poster with Darkseid's face that says Darkseid is, as we've seen inside. But behind, well, basically under them, you see the remains of several of our favorite heroes and it just does not look good. It looks like, what are the heroes you can see here? I see Nightwing, Steel, Starman, Impulse, Robin, Mr. Miracle, and Captain Marvel. Uh, let's see. And Firestorm, it looks like. And then another hero that I can't quite make out. Is that Animal Man, maybe? Looks like a combination of Animal Man and Booster Gold, sort of. It's, I don't know, it's got a cape. I don't know. Maybe it's from Young Heroes in Love. In any event. Uh, but instead of just seeing remnants of their costumes like we saw in the in last issue, this time you actually see their bodies kind of decomposing and skeletal with their costumes on. It's kind of scary. But you can definitely tell something's wrong. Anyway, moving into the issue. Our story begins... Oh, wait a minute. <clears throat> moving into the issue, the title of this issue is Twilight of the Gods, 
written by Grant Morrison, penciled by Howard Porter, inked by John Dell, lettered by Ken Lopez, colored by Pat Garrahy, assistant editor was L.A. Williams, associate editor was Peter Tomasi, and editor was Dan Raspler. Now, again, we're in the future, 15 years from today. And it says, at this point, we're at T-minus 12 minutes, 37 seconds. What we're looking at is the moon. And from the moon, you can see that, and we're looking at the JLA Watchtower, although it looks a little different. And also in the background, you see Earth with a giant fire pit in what once was Europe. The JLA Watchtower has been turned into the Zombie Factory. This is where we see several of Darkseid's parademons standing on guard as well, millions and millions of people are being basically uh, cattled or herded through like cattle to be taken to the well, the zombie factory to basically have their whole minds stripped and replaced by the endless crushing monotone of Darkseid's anti-life equation. Um, meanwhile, in one of the what looks like a vent shaft, we see we see Azteca and Argent, and they're talking about the fact that uh, Batman has sent a, sent them there to disable the anti-life broadcast array, and all they need to do is make a 500-yard run straight through this main section. Um, and as such, Argent has decided that the guy that is Green Lantern, you know, Kyle. Uh, has told her that her silver plasma looked a lot like his green plasma, so maybe she could do more with it than she thought. And as we see a bunch of the humans coming out with those big hand helmet things from last issue, and they're coming out of a room with the, that says Wise Monkeys above it, um, we suddenly see that Argent's come up with a diversion. Basically, you've got Argent and Azteca flying amongst a veritable sea of silver plasma heroes. And they look like this, some of the superheroes of old. Well, as far as costume design, some of them look very much like familiar heroes. Um, I see one or two that look like they're very similar to Mr. Miracle. I see one that looks like Superman in his energy costume. And also one that looks like Superman in his classic uniform. Uh, beyond that is just kind of generic, come up with whatever you can come up with for the costumes. It looks really cool, though. So the parademons start blasting at all the villains, or at all the hero versions. Unfortunately, Argent isn't able to concentrate on all of them and ends up getting blasted herself right through the stomach. Meanwhile, T minus 12 minutes 34 seconds in Las Vegas. That must be 12 hours 34 minutes. Because it took more than 3 seconds for all that to happen. Yeah. Anyway, so T minus 12 hours 34 minutes. Back in Las Vegas at the, the at well Desaad's lab, but you know we know that it's Batman's place. He's setting up the uh, he sets up a boom tube to take them to wherever Darkseid is, Metropolis, I believe he is, isn't it? Yes, Metropolis. 
So he activates a boom tube, tells everybody that the boom tube is a direct route to Metron. That's the good news. The bad news is he's on Darkseid's warship. On the other hand, Darkseid thinks that they are Desaad. He tells them to stay with him because one chance is all they're going to get. So going through the boom tube, we've got, well, Wally, because he's not really a Flash right now, Kyle, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Batman. Meanwhile, in Metropolis, at the exact same time, Dasad is busy beating the crap out of a parademon, trying to uh, asking Metron if he thinks he should, you know, leave for Dasad to have fun with, or should just, you know, take care of him himself. Uh, but of course, Metron, who has completely fallen to Darkseid's will, basically just says, "We do only as your will dictates." For Darkseid's will is absolute, so Darkseid just kind of throws him off the top of whatever building he's on, and looks out over Metropolis to see it. Many of the buildings collapsed, most of the buildings damaged, even LexCorp Tower is damaged, and flames are all around it. And you hear the boom from the boom tube. At the also the same time in Metropolis, on a different part of town, Green Arrow, the Atom, and Amazo try to find their way own way to sneak into Darkseid's ship. Soon, some parademons and a bite trooper fly fly past, and basically, the Pat Gary he cov colors the parademon armor exactly the opposite of the way that Liquid col colors it. So instead of green armor with some yellow added parts. It's basically yellow with some green added parts. It's I kind of like it the other way around, but that's just me. Uh, anyway, um, the bike trooper is falling behind, so they send a Mesa to go take him out. Fast forward to an hour later? Maybe this is a minutes and seconds. It's kind of weird. In any event, we're now at 11.49, or T-11.49 whatever it is. Thinking Desaad is coming in, it's actually Batman and his gang, and of course Batman's throwing several little bombs to throw everybody off. Mostly they're smoke bombs, but they do hit Granny, the Grandmother Box and confuse Darkseid. So Wonder Woman tells the rest of them to move on. She will, hand, she will hold Darkseid and the Grandmother Box, but she can only guarantee a minute or two. So Batman... Kyle, one, uh, Batman, Kyle, Flash, and Aquaman head out to find Metron, who Batman finds and decides he wants to have a talk with him. And literally, believe it or not, scares Metron. Meanwhile, Wonder Woman starts fighting Darkseid, and before we get to see the fight too much, we move up to T minus 1108, and we're outside of Darkseid's er, ship again. Green. Arrow, Adam, and Amazo are now being attacked. Although Green Arrow and the Adam are on that bike that you know the bike trooper was was on, isn't any longer. Um, fortunately, the bike gets hit. Right, uh, the Adam almost falls off, and at just about this time, there's a viral program invading Amazo's hard drive. His basically his mind is being eaten by codes broadcast into the artificial intelligence. My guess must be the anti-life thing. So Amazo basically goes down. And Green Arrow decides, okay, that's enough of this fighting thing. We're just heading in. 
1102. Batman decides that he's going to tempt Dasad uh, with some new information. Something he doesn't know. Because Dark, you know, Dasad's all about knowledge. He's wanted ultimate knowledge, and all he's ever done is kind of. Although technically he has. He's done, actually about done about as well. He's kind of like the DC Universe's version of the Watcher, but he does about as good at not participating as Marvel's Watcher does. So Batman tries to tell him that there is one thing even Darkseid doesn't, and that Metron could know it. And as Wonder Woman begins the fight with Darkseid, Batman convinces Metron that he's a god. He will never know what it's like to be human. Unless, of course, he doesn't have the power to change himself to human. So... Dasad says, yes, I can easily become human. And somehow this is taken two hours, so I'm guessing this is minutes. So at T-958, Darkseid literally just backhands Wonder Woman across the room, smashing her into some of the equipment. As Dasad becomes human and flesh and blood. And at this point, Batman says, or, or at this point, he asks, what is feeling that I should consider it worthy of record? So Batman punches him in the face basically knocking out Metron, and then pumps him full of a powerful hypnotic agent. Uh, and he'll do anything that they tell him to do. So, after, their, after saying their goodbyes to Batman, Aquaman, Wally, and Kyle use Metron and his Mobius chair to head back to the past at their proper time. Meanwhile, Wonder Woman is, rises up from her backhand earlier and gets attacked by the grandmother box who basically teleports fire pit energy from the molten core of apocalypse itself which sends Wonder Woman flying almost bouncing down a what appears to be a hallway as Batman shows up uh, and this this reminds me of one of those how that should have ended videos grandmother box comes up to Batman and Batman holds up a battering like he's going to throw, throw a battering at it but it's alright, because with one last bit of defiance, Wonder Woman basically flies straight through the grandmother box, shouting Darkseid's name, destroying it. And through the debris, Batman shouts Diana, and throws a, an explosive battering at Darkseid, which does nothing except reveal that Darkseid is wearing a force field. It's impenetrable. At this point, several parademons bust into the room, and... Batman communicates to the Atom that Darkseid has a personal force field and to do what he can. Meanwhile, he tells Diana it's okay. They did it. So Batman, <clears throat> that they did it. So now Batman is surrounded by parademons, all pointing their blasters straight at him. And meanwhile, about T-minus six minutes, three seconds, up at the fa zombie factory on Earth, Azteca is consoling Argent as she's basically dying and feeling cold. And she pushes a button on her belt. And as the parademons close in to destroy, to take them out, she tells them, don't worry, Batman's going to love this. Uh, hey, my armor's powered by a four-dimensional battery, yeah? The only thing that stops the energy from erupting into 3D space with a destructive force greater than any weapon known on Earth is a little fader switch on my belt. And guess what I just did? T minus 5 minutes 21 seconds. Through a window above him, Darkseid sees a gigantic explosion erupt from the moon. 
a, an eruption that almost looks like it's rippling the entire surface of the moon. The zombie factory has been stopped. And as such, those little hand helmets are not working as well anymore. And at this point, we also see Orion heading down to a basement, where he's got some kind of giant weapon on set up on standby. I should also point out at this point that this entire issue is being narrated by somebody who is literally keeping an eye on everyone and is circling around as everyone dies. You'll see who it is in a little bit. Back up on the moon at T-minus 4 minutes 22 seconds, Batman tells Darkseid how he's lost. He's all alone, his allies have fallen, the troops have no guidance because the anti-life thing is no longer working. The parademons are basically just husks at this point. So Darkseid's, Darkseid decides that he respects the fact that Batman was able to hurt him, so he's going to show a little bit of mercy. First, he's going to use finder beams, then blast him with omega beams. And basically, he after the finder beams hit him, Darkseid hits Batman with his omega effect, and Batman is basically reduced to ash. At this point, Darkseid starts going nuts. He's like, I cannot be destroyed. I am in everything. I cannot be stopped. And in the ruins of this anthill planet, I will build an empire of order. That is my will. That is the will of Darkseid. And at this point, we're at T-minus two minutes and one second. As Green Arrow and the Atom blast in. So, Atom requests that Green, Green Arrow use a flare arrow. Which, Green Arrow doesn't see as much of a point, considering, you know... All they're going to do is give him a suntan. And just at the end, who'd have believed it? Green Arrow and the Atom up against Darkseid. And as Darkseid asks who they are, the Atom identifies himself as Ray Palmer. The Atom, a scientist. And he's just realized that Darkseid can see, which means something can get through the shield. Light. So as the... As the flare arrow hits Darkseid, blinding light comes out of it, and the Atom is able to ride the light waves right through, and uses it to enter Darkseid's eyes. It goes right to his brain. And just as Green Arrow points out the fact that he's in, he, that he, that the Atom is in Darkseid's head, Darkseid does his no shout, and, um, Adam blasts his brain with looks like something out of his belt. I didn't know he had some kind of a blaster out of his belt. And Darkseid says me. And I'm sorry, I just I, I laugh when I see that because the idea of Darkseid saying nummy is kind of funny. Anyway. So basically inside of Darkseid's brain, the Adam dies. Darkseid's dead. And now basically we see the Black Racer, who is the one that's been narrating this entire story. And he comes up and basically takes Green Arrow as well. Don't know why. Maybe the ship's falling. Not sure. Anyway, T-minus 15 seconds. Orion is still at that little technology structure he had in the basement when he notices that the Black Racer is there. And tells Black Racer that even though Darkseid's been destroyed, basically he's still won because... Now Orion's become the destroyer he always said that he would be. And he uses the Genesis... And Orion pulls out the Genesis box. 
It's programmed to convert the entire universe to pure energy and then remake it without the taint of Darkseid. And as such, he activates it and Black Racer does his job to basically cast his shadow across all creation as with the last spark going out on Darkseid's brain, he dimly perceives the face of the only winner of this game as he sees the Black Racer and he also sees reality basically warping. It's the end of the war of the universe. Fifteen years later, or I'm sorry, fifteen years earlier, it appears that the Justice League has defeated the Injustice Gang. Superman, Batman, and Martian Manhunter stand in front of the Joker and Luther with Dr. Light kind of weeping behind them. Superman's got the Philosopher's Stone and decides that Luther will no longer have a chance to use it. Whatever it is, he's destroying it now. And with that, you see a Shazak and a lightning bolt. Has Superman just destroyed the Philosopher's Stone and therefore brought about everything we've just seen? Next time, the JLA versus the Injustice Gang for the future of the Earth in the double-sized epic conclusion of Rock of Ages. This is getting good, isn't it? And after a couple more promos, we'll get into the ads. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. I'm going to regret this. This is ridiculous. Don't be alarmed. It's only a laser sword fight. Star Tours announces the boarding of the Endor Express, non-stop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding. No! Cannot get your ship off. <laughs> Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fans. Lando Calrissian. Star Wars Monthly Mondays, available the first Monday of every month at 2TrueFreaks.com. We would be honored if you would join us. You are cordially invited to attend a podcast that observes the unfolding events of history. Come with me and observe the birth and growth of a legend from the pages of a 10 cent pulp comic book to the newspapers radio program adventures theatrical films and more witness the dawn of the superhero Superman. 
available on iTunes and at goldenagesuperman.libsyn.com. Every legend has a beginning. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Okay. Inside front cover to this issue. Uh, the most wanted holiday gift this year? The video of the hit movie Beavis and Butthead Do America. <laughs> Only fourteen ninety five or less on videotape. Wow. Uh, moving right along across from page four is an ad for the Lost World Jurassic Park out on video. Can you survive? Has man learned to live with the most powerful creatures imaginable? Don't miss Steven Spielberg's spectacular adventure. Special effects packaging features a removable 3D dino motion card, which I'm guessing is a dinosaur busting out of the big stone that says Lost World Jurassic Park. I'm thinking that's the third one. That was the last Jurassic Park I saw. Hmm. Next is a two-page ad for Sonic R, which is for the Sega Saturn, and is, I believe, Sonic's first-ever 3D video game. And, um, let's see. Sonic R for the Sega Saturn is a full-on pedal-to-the-metal high-speed dash through five 3D courses, each rendered in full 360-degree panoramas. Choose from five different Sonic characters to race. Uncover hidden characters and secret shortcuts along the way. Whether you race tag-team, relay, or split-screen against your buddy is your call. You'll be focusing... You'll be flossing bug guts out of your teeth for weeks. Yum. Ew. But yeah, judging by the cover, you've at least got Sonic, Knuckles, and Tails. And it is just early 3D Sonic game. Interesting. Let's see. Moving right along, across from page 9, we have an ad for Mass Destruction. Don't just sit there. Shoot. And this is a game for the PlayStation, and the Sega Saturn, and Windows 95. And basically you're just, you know, blowing up stuff. Another two-page ad follows that. Let's see, what is this called? The game Last Bronx, which is one of those 3D fighting games for the Sega Saturn. Although I'm not completely sure how a guy with an ice cream truck tells you... Gets, oh, I see. You get two... Uh, for one dollar, you get two ton faws. You can get a wooden sword for 35 cents, a hammer for a dollar nine, and nunchucks for just 79 cents. But basically, it's one of those arcade fighters, and now it's on um, the Sega Saturn in high resolution, 60 frames per second. But, you know, it's still the Sega Saturns. It's all the square polygon people. So it doesn't look bad, but it ain't great. Uh, next up, across from page 14, is a full-page ad uh, for 007 Tomorrow Never Dies, coming out December 19th, with a so title song performed by Sheryl Crow, starring Pierce Brosnan as Ian Fleming's James Bond, also Jonathan Price, Michelle Yao, Terry Hatcher, Joe Don Baker, and Judy Dench. Oh, I'm sorry, Dane, Judy Dench. This was Pierce Brosnan's second James Bond movie. 
I kind of enjoy it. I mean, it's not the best, but I kind of enjoy it. Then across from page 17, we've got the Star Wars Masters of the Terrace Kasi. The galaxy is far, far away. The fighting is up close and personal. Presenting Masters of Terrace Ka of Terrace Kasi, an all-out 3D fighting frenzy featuring a variety of Star Wars characters battling through nine action-packed arenas. Engage in weapon-to-weapon -weapon or hand-to-hand -hand combat. Heck, even the Empire never struck back this hard. Basically what you got is it's a 3D fighting game starring the Star Wars characters. The actual ad is Bubba Fett versus Luke Skywalker with his green lightsaber, so from Return of the Jedi. Uh, the three images you can see from the game it doesn't look all that different from that last game I was talking about for the Sega Saturn. Uh, you've got Arden Lin versus Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker versus Boar, I guess. It's hard to read it. And it looks like Han Solo versus Boba Fett. And this is looks, appears to be just for the PlayStation. And let's see, moving right along. Dark side dies, the earth is destroyed. We get inside back cover is that same Twix ad. He who unwraps the Twix gets both bars. It's not just safe, it's the law. That we saw last issue and the back cover is I believe the same as the inside front cover of the last issue. Uh it's basically that same full page ad for Mortal Kombat Mythology's Sub Zero. So that's cool. Which is interesting. No, watch this space this time, which you would think that they would have had. Let's see. Now, what else was coming out this month elsewhere in the DC Universe? Um, Action Comics number 747 had the energy version of Superman teaming up with the Legion of Superheroes, who by this point were kind of trapped in the 20th century. Or some of them. Uh... Adventures of the DC Universe number 10, speaking of the Legion, they're starring in this issue. If you ever wanted to see them in a sort of animated look before they got their own cartoon, here it is. Adventures of Superman number 554 has Superman dealing with some kind of creature beneath Metropolis. I cannot really remember that, but it actually, to, to make it look really eerie, they've taken the uh, which uh, the updated Super Adventures of Superman logo that they've made with because of Superman's energy powers, and it's actually got stuff dripping off of it. It's kind of weird. Um, Animaniacs number thirty-three. I'm only pointing out because uh, since we had that nice Jurassic Park um, ad earlier, the logo looks like it's from Jurassic Park, and this is about the fourth Warner, and they make it look like it's a. It's a Jurassic Park thing. Aquaman number 40 is Aquaman versus Dr. Polaris, it looks like, who's using his magnetism power to cause... Wow. Uh, to cause Aquaman to apparently almost stab himself with his hook. Azrael number 37 has the return of Bane, and this is a homage to Batman number... 490s no yeah batman 497 except this time instead of batman it's Azrael getting his back broken by bane 
Uh, Batman 550, as we mentioned from an ad last issue, is the introduction of Chase. It's a bigger issue. And, of course, the return of Clayface. The cover is not by Kelly Jones. So, that's interesting. Um... Then, of course, there's the deluxe edition of Batman 550, which does have the cover by Kelly Jones, which is the cover that we, which is the image we saw in the ad. Technically, I'm thinking the regular edition cover looks nicer. Batman Adventures The Lost Years, number one, which, as I mentioned before, is supposed to bridge the gap between the Fox version of Batman the Animated Series and Batman and Robin Adventures, and then the updated Batman uh, animated series that showed up on Kids WB, and we see Batman and Batgirl on the cover. But basically, the all the issues of this series show us how it went from Batman and Robin uh, that we knew to Dick Grayson leaving and becoming Nightwing and coming back, uh, Tim Drake becoming Robin, and uh, Barbara Gordon become, be going from a sometimes partner to constant partner and confidant as by the time we get to the new series she knows everyone's identities uh, Batman Chronicles number 11 has a cover by Paul Pope who I'm not a fan of especially his Batman sorry Paul uh, Batman Predator volume 3 number 3 okay Batman Dar Dark Knight Dynasty hardcover has a cool looking cover Anyway, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight 102. Batman uh, has a story titled Spook. Batman Prodigal Trade Paperback is, as I mentioned when I covered last issue, basically it covers the storyline right after Knight's, or actually right after Zero, however, right after Knight's end. Batman came back for like literally two months during Zero Hour and then decided he still needed to go away again. And while he was gone, he mantle of Batman to Dick Grayson, who became Batman for a while. That was the first time that happened. And this covers, you know, collects all the issues where Dick Grayson was Batman. Um, again, as I mentioned before, that was recently covered on uh, Hey Kids Comics over at TwoTrueFreaks.com. So make sure you check those out. Good stuff. Uh, Batman Shadow of the Bat also co-stars Fate. Speaking of fate, he had his 12th issue that month. I didn't read it, so I don't know what goes on. Uh, Catwoman number 53. Catwoman's hanging out with a blonde dude with a gym bag. Uh, Beware of the Creeper number 2. Looks creepy. DCU Holiday Bash number 2 came out. This was basically an anthology of short stories featuring several characters several of the popular characters of the DCU including Green Lantern and Green Arrow teaming up, a Batman story, a Black Lightning story, a Superman story, which actually I found ironic, despite the fact that he's currently in the Energy Blues suit it's a story from the past so he's in his classic costume and it's by Dan Jurgens and Brett Breeding silent story pretty cool uh, Justice Society story that takes place in the 40s. I believe, if I'm remembering, if it's the correct one, it's got Jim Gordon meeting with the J JSA. So it's pretty cool. Uh, there's a Sergeant Rock story, as well as a Nightwing Batgirl team-up story. 
not really Nightwing Bat. Well, it's kind of Nightwing Batgirl. It's kind of a flashback tale. Um, let's see. Detective Comics number 717 came out this month. Uh, as well as Flash number 133, where Flash is still trapped in a mirror world against Mirror Master, ironically. At the same time, they're kind of going up against Mirror Master and JLA. Uh, Green Arrow 128 came out this month. Green Arrow's running along, looks like San Francisco Bay Bridge, being chased by helicopters. That can't go well. Green Lantern 94. Uh, Idol Worship uh, features a crossover between Superboy and Green Lantern. Uh, and on the cover, we see both Superboy's jacket and Green Lantern's mask burning in a volcano, looks like. Uh, Hitman number 22 is a Christmas issue. And I only know this because it features uh, what I'm guessing is Hitman and his gun with his gun in the mouth of a Santa. Uh, Impulse number 33 is a Thanksgiving special. Oh, okay. Must have come out earlier in the month. Uh, Legion of Superheroes number 100 apparently... Oh, okay. Legion of Superheroes number 100 features the lost Legionnaires from the 20th century apparently returning to the future. And Legion Secret Files number 1 retells the origin of the team, which I'm guessing is has something to do with the fact that we're hitting the 100th issue. Plus a, a bonus pinup of every Legionnaire and villain to date. It's got a cover by Phil Jimenez, who I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably draws the pinup thing with all the characters, too. He does that. Uh, Legionnaires, number 56, has... Well... It's a better part of Valor. It's basically, it's Monel against a whole bunch of bad guys. I love this costume, by the way. It's really cool. A neat update to his classic one. Lobo 47 came out this month. Major Bummer number 6 came out. Uh, let's see. Nightwing number 16 came out this month, where Nightwing gets a kind of his own car, like a Nightwing mobile, if you will. Power of Shazam number 34 came out this month um, featuring the return of Gangbuster Ooh. who is a very well-known Jack or Jerry Ordway character from the post-crisis Superman Pinky and the Brain number 19 which I'm only mentioning because it's a holiday story but for some reason it's early November but they're putting out a Christmas issue wonder what next issues will be about Robin, number 49. And uh, not sure what happens, but looking at this, it looks like Tim Drake is quitting his role as Robin. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Sovereign 7, number 30. It looks like... Excuse me. It looks like... It features some one who's making who's basically tearing Sovereign Seven up, including Power Girl. Which isn't usual. Spectre number sixty one came out this month. Steel number forty six look appears to guest star Superboy. Um who is 
who has met up with his niece Natasha in Paris, apparently. Idol Worship Part 2 appears in Superboy number 47. Again, with Green Arrow teamed up with Superboy. Did I say Green Arrow? Green Lantern. With a cool cover by um, Tom Grummet and Doug Hazelwood. Uh, let's see, Superboy and the Ravers, number 17, features the Ravers against some guy in a blind rage, I guess. Uh, Supergirl 17 has Supergirl going up against Despero, a classic Justice League villain. Uh, let's see, Superman 131 is another f- pretty famous Superman issue. It's the issue that not only features the birth of Lex Luthor's daughter, Lena Luthor, it's one of the last... Well, not well. it's one of the last appearances of the Contessa. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Uh, it's one of the last appearances of the Contessa, and it's also the issue where Mayor Berkowitz is killed, and we find out that... Uh, oh, and Luther gets the Kryptonite ring back, I believe. We also find out that Kryptonite no longer harms Superman in his energy form. Superman Adventures number 15 features a story that spotlights Bebo. Superman Secret Files number 1. Guess what happens here? That's right. His secret origin is retold. Again. Uh, There's some Daily Planet stories. There's some uh, guided tour of the fortress. uh, A whole timeline of his adventures from basically from Man of Steel to the present. It and uh, what was going on? Oh, and who was protecting Metropolis while Superman and Lois were on their honeymoon? Now, if you read the comic of the wedding, you know exactly who was there, saving, uh, protecting Metropolis, but. This kind of goes into it more, I guess. Superman, the Action Comics Archives number one came out this month. Uh, Superman, the Man of Steel number 75 came out, uh, featuring a cover that was kind of an homage to Superman number 75, except this time, instead of Superman's cape flying on that on that one stick, it's uh, Mr. Mixius Pitalik's hat and uh, Superman boxers. Uh, and features Superman going up against Bada Bing Bada Booms Day. It's actually a really fun issue. And also um, features the return of John Bogdanoff to the title on art. Superman Man of Tomorrow number 10 features Maxima versus Obsession for, you know, fighting over Superman, who doesn't want really much to do with either one of them. Ironically, Superman The Wedding and Beyond trade paperback features the wedding of Superman and Lois, plus I'm guessing the next month's worth of titles that they came up with really quick once they found out they were doing the wedding before they had to start figuring out, you know, how to get him his powers back. Uh, now, this month, because they didn't do anything last month, Teen Titans number 15 and number 16 came out this month. Uh, the f- 15 was the final part of the Then and Now storyline. Uh, this one apparently focusing on, well, technically he's Arsenal, but basically, you know, Speedy, Red Arrow, however you want to look at it. 
ironically, his costume here looks very much like a Red Arrow costume, which he wouldn't actually do that until post-Infinite Crisis. But it looks like there might be a death to the Titans. And number, or issue 16 features the aftermath of Then and Now to an everything there is an end. And I'm guessing this is where the Atom might be planning on quitting the team? It's hard to tell. Didn't read them. But the cover focuses on the Atom. Uncle Sam number one came out, which was an Alex Ross painted title. Uh, written by Steve Darnell. Darnell? Darnell? However you say it. Unlimited Access number two came out. And just on the cover, we see the Legion of Superheroes versus, or teaming up with, well, basically uh, Wolverine from the Days of Future Past storyline. Interesting. Uh, let's see, Wonder Woman number 129. One, now we are focusing on the uh, classic, or not classic, but the old Wonder Woman, uh, Queen Hippolyta as Wonder Woman, going up against Artemis. And it uh, looks like Donna Troy's going to help out. Uh, and it says, Wonder Woman is dead. Long live Wonder Woman. And this also sees a change to the logo, the Wonder Woman logo. Instead of the more modern one, it goes to the classic Wonder Woman logo, basically written in, in cursive script from back in the day. The soft cover Wonder Woman Amazonia came out this month. A tale of the Wonder Woman, which is an Elseworlds... Wonder Woman story, and Young Heroes in Love number 8 came out this month. Oh, featuring the Scarecrow. So that's pretty cool. But that's it for this issue. Um, we only got one more to go as far as Rock of Ages goes, so join me next week, and we will see the finale of the Rock of Ages, and possibly some changes for this show. But I'll tell you about that next time. See you then, guys. This has been an episode of Charlie's Geekcast, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. The show's website is www.charliesgeekcast.com, where you'll find notes and images for each episode. Please feel free to leave a comment there, or email the show at charliesgeekcast at gmail.com, and I'll read them on the air. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes. I also have another show called Superman of the Bronze Age, where I cover Superman comics published between 1970 and 1986. You can find that at www.supermanofthebronzeage.com. Charlie's Geek Cast is an I Don't Have a Fake Company name production. All images and music used are copyright their respective copyright holders. Thank you for listening, and God bless. God bless.